No one can be independent of other people completely, so why not give up the attempt, she thought. Go running in the other direction. Depend on people for everything. Allow them to depend on you. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks with myself, Ramya Amudin, Jacob Shymansky, hello, producer and co-host, as well as technical producer Nasreen Abdel-Majid. Uh, we start off with a quote of the week. Oh my god, why am I running so ahead of this? It's 2024. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah. Ramya, that was such a good read. You should be reading audiobooks. I would listen to that in a heartbeat. Really? Well, Yo. thank you. You know, that's that why so I pick good. long quotes because I'm trying to use them as part of my demo reel to get hired as a narrator. <laughs> so thanks for noticing. Oh, is that what you put it right at the top of the show? <laughs> yeah, oh, I see. Exactly. <laughs> they got longer. Really? <laughs> Agreement? <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, all the quotes get longer. Well, that's what happens when Jacob tells me to pick the quote. Okay, I'll just pick the novel. Well, tell us about this one. Why did you pick this one? It's nice. Okay, so this one is from Normal People by Sally Rooney. And this is the first book that I've read by this author. Uh, Basically, it was a TikTok recommendation, okay? I was flipping through TikTok, scrolling. And um, somebody said, oh my gosh, it's a life-changing book. That's all it really took, honestly. I went straight to Audible and downloaded it. Oh, he said it's about relationships. And I thought, perfect. I love, you know, the, the psyche and the mind and... um all the things that I say we should not be doing, like psychoanalyzing everybody. Yeah, I love it. So went straight to the book. It was a great and very easy read, like seven hours or so. Uh, I loved it. I highly recommend it. But that was what I spent my holiday doing mostly, guys, reading. So Break down the quote, though. Like, how do you interpret that? I'm finding it a bit confusing. Really? I mean, I think it's that concept of interdependence, right? You know how um, we often talk about independence and sometimes fiercely independence as not such a great thing or a great lifestyle choice. And then also codependency has this kind of negative connotation also where, you know, you're you're going into each other more than able to hold yourself up. But then there's this concept of interdependency. And I think this quote kind of conveys that where you're like, there's no need to pretend like we don't need each other, right? And whether it be community building or just the letting go of the notion of I must do it all myself. There you go. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's relinquishing mm-hmm. control to society and saying it's okay if we rely on each other. It's That's okay. fine. It's all good. Okay. We all need each other. I get that. We all need the help. I get that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit less about what we've been reading over the holidays and a little bit more about 2024 and where we're going with um, reading trends, right? So like top 10 books of 2023, what that may look like for 2024. Karen McKay from our Center for Equitable Library Access friends is going to be joining us to talk more about that you guys have picked jacob you and karen have picked uh, a couple different lists that we want to go through and then we have an audiobook listener joining us the first ever of 2024 and that's julia bennett she Ooh. is now coined the voice of ami audio i don't even think she knows it yet so we're gonna break that news <laughs> to her um and we'll talk about what she's been reading through rapid fire review looking forward to it so before we get to all that, let's take a quick look at the CELA homepage. If you visit celalibrary.ca, you will find these three featured titles at the very top. The mystery guest, Molly the Maid, number two, by Nina Prose. Suspense and thriller novel for all of you guys kicking off that way. Oath and Honor by Liz Cheney. And this is Politics and Government Biography. And The Biddle Morris by Jen Arden. And this is A Gentle Mysteries. Okay, let's get into it. Sila Talk once a month. We check in with Karen McKay and Teresa Power, but Teresa's not able to join us today. Karen's the communications manager over there, and it's nice to have you on as our first guest of the year. Welcome. Thanks so much. It's nice to be here. We missed you guys. Yeah, we missed you too. So do you want to tell us what you read over the holidays or are in the midst of reading now that you picked up over the holidays? 
Yeah, so I bought my daughter um, an Emma Donahue book for Christmas called The Pull of the Stars, which was published, I think it's 2020, might be 2021. Anyway, she's a big Emma Donahue fan. She's read a couple of them. And so we're reading it together. So I bought myself another copy and we're reading it together and talking about it as we go through. So um, the the book was published, yeah, it was 2020 because it was published during the early days of the um of COVID, of all the lockdowns, and it's about a pandemic, and it was not obviously planned because she'd written it a couple of years before. But um, it's a very interesting book to read in hindsight around um, COVID and and the plague that's happening in this book. Uh, and Emma Donahue's just such a captivating writer. So both my daughter and I really really love her work. So we're excited to be reading that one together. Awesome. Um, along with my partner, we also read a book together: the uh, Good Girls Guide to Murder series. Uh, we read. Nice. all three over the holidays get out yeah and it's so much fun you guys started this before the holidays <laughs> yes a little bit before right? the holidays like this we, trend yeah. of kind of audiobook listening but together we read the last two during the holidays and uh it's fun because it's a murder mystery so at the end of every chapter you uh you summarize and you theory craft it's a very engaging mm. genre um i also picked up thank you for listening by julia whalen <gasps> which uh Really, really, really good book. I loved my Oxford year as well. And this one was on par, on par. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, exactly. First of all, I'm glad you're done the series, right? Now that Gentle Mystery series or uh, that um, Good Girls Guide to... Yeah, yeah, we finished it up. It's over? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, tell us when the next um, co-reading is in the horizons. Oof. Because it was fun hearing about it. (laughs) I will. I mean, we started a new one. It's not nearly as good. Uh, we're about halfway through. Uh, what is it called again? One of us is lying by I forget her name, but it's very mid. Uh, to clarify, I forget her name is not like the <laughs> the, the author's pen name or something. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the second book that I picked up that I'm not done yet I'm kind of taking it chapter by chapter but I'm really (laughs) enjoying like the science behind happiness it's by Arthur C. Brooks and co-written by um, uh, Oprah Winfrey and you know how we talked about this just heading into the holidays with you Karen and Teresa about co-authoring so it was kind Mm -hmm. of fun um, Uh. picking this up because we got the psychiatrist Arthur Brooks and uh it's called build the life you want but basically the interesting part is the brain response to chemicals and emotions that then result in happiness or unhappiness so he does the breakdown oprah does the you know pep talks for us and uh it's quite interesting and they both narrate it as well okay see i love here oh that's cool this is interesting so it's about the chemical imbalances or balances in your brain that result in yep. what we Interpret as, interpret as happiness. happiness. Yes. Did you find so that obviously like a little like reductionist? Like, does uh, it not? No, there's a lot of breakdown. There's a lot of stats that he's pointing to in studies, small and big. But also, yes, there is that, you know, self-development side, which is you can be happier. Just here's how you do you it. You said to crank up your numbers of this chemical and this will make <laughs> you happy. Know. or like the interpretation yeah yeah no i'm reducing it to that but there's way more (laughs) conceptually than the way that i explain it i'm rapid fire reviewing myself it's not good you're rapid firing yourself in the foot (laughs) yeah right but and on that note (laughs) yeah we should look ahead at what 2024 is going to be like in terms of trends i think the best way of doing that is by seeing what was trending in 2023 because it's still very fresh. Um, mm. Karen, you brought us the uh, top 10 downloaded books on Sela in 2023. Do you want to help us go through it? Maybe analyze some of the themes that are in there? Um, I think first things first is we should read through the, uh, the 10 titles. So number one was Spare by Prince Harry, which we talked about on this show in quite a bit of depth. Right, no surprise. Uh, and then there. we had... No surprise mm-hmm. there. Yeah, that was not a surprise to anybody, I don't think. Um, then we had The Whispers by Ashley Audrain, another one that we talked about in depth on this show. Completely so maybe this show it. is, you know, maybe this show is the one that's uh, we are the influencing, top our, our, <laughs> influencing our top tens. Um, uh, and then we then we had Hotline by Dimitri Nazra, who's a Canadian. And this is a, a novel, but it sticks pretty close, I think, um, to elements of, of his life. So, you know, I, 
I he he says it's a novel, but I suspect there's real life elements in there. Maybe sort of it's a bit memoir-ish. Uh, then we have The Boys from Biloxi by John Grisham, who needs no introduction. Uh, is There Bacon in Heaven? Another memoir by uh, Ali Hassan, which is a he's a Canadian um, author and stand-up comedian. Folks probably are well familiar with him. The number six book was The House in the Pines by Anna Rays. She's a debut novelist, uh, but this was a Reese book club title. So Reese Witherspoon. So um, again, not a huge surprise to see this on, on our list. Uh, then we had Page Boy by Elliot Page. Again, another Canadian um, actor and, and another memoir. Mm. Mm -hmm. Very well received, yeah. Yeah, uh, and lots of conversations around that book, like a long, long conversations around that book. Yeah. Number eight was a bit of a surprise to me. It's The Wager, A Tale of Shipwreck, Mutiny, and Murder by David Gran, who's also the author of Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, so folks are probably familiar with that, with the movie that was released just a month or two ago. Um Anyway, so this one is um, is historical nonfiction uh, from an event that happened over 200 years ago. A shipwrecked British, I believe, was um, boat was there was a shipwreck. There was a mutiny. The captain was left on a deserted island and ends up back in England two or so years later to um, to talk about his experiences. So uh, we don't often see this kind of book on our top ten down list. So it was interesting to me that this was on here. And then the last two were Every Summer After by Carly Fortune, a Canadian author. This is a beach read kind of book. Um, she's very popular. And A White Lady, a novel by Jacqueline Winspear. She's a British author. She's um, the author of the Maisie Dobbs series. So folks might be familiar with her. It's sort of a, a you know, sweeping historical fiction kind of, um, kind of book. And it's a, a bit of a cozy mystery as well and so this one is um again a bit of a surprise but i think she probably has quite a, a legion of fans in the sila audiences so mm. not super surprised to see this one on the on the list so those were our downloads and the interesting thing i thought was one the number of memoirs right. or memoir-ish books that are on here like we've got one two three four out of 10. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a pretty big number for memoirs. Um, and I think memoirs actually were big this year. I mean, there, you know, there's always memoirs that are big around Christmas time. That's when they tend to release them so that there's, you know, lots of Christmas purchases and stuff. Right. I was going to say, I'm surprised that the Britney Spears book, The Woman in Me, wasn't on this list, but I'm Same. thinking that's because it was released in the last quarter of the year, right? Later. Mm -hmm. ah, okay. Yeah, probably. And also, to be fair, our readers trend a bit older in general. So um, I'm not sure that Britney Spears resonated with, with them in the same way that Prince Harry might have or um, even Elliot Page, like, you know, as a That's Canadian. Fair. And yeah. Um, yeah. So that was sort of an interesting look at some of the the top books in our collection. And, and it to be honest, I was kind of impressed with our readers, with the variety and also the depth of some of the the, the works here. Like they're, you know, sometimes we see um, lighter reads or easier mm. reads, but these ones, most of them are quite substantial. Um, and with the memoir piece, it's really a diverse set of memoirs, right? Like we've got Prince Harry, we've got Ali Hassan, we've got Elliot Page, like, you know, we've got, um, the no it's a novel by Dimitri Nazarella, but but it feels memoirish, and so you know to to have those books. They're very diverse. They're about very diverse people, very diverse experiences. To have those in our top ten, I thought was um, was kind of impressive, to be honest. I was thinking the same about just the variety and depth of the content, Karen, uh, in terms of memoirs. But memoirs more largely representing you know communities and uh, struggles and different things that we've been really getting into the last few years anyways i'm thinking like the indigenous community and lgbtq plus representation but not necessarily just that it's more our willingness to deep dive into people and community experiences that way i think that's a really interesting point and actually it's really well reflected in the cbc list that we were talking or that we will be talking mm. about as well because um, a lot of those books are not published in 2023, and it's interesting to see what people are coming back to or are exploring. Um, like, 
I don't know if we want to jump into that now, but for example, uh, Five Little Indians by Michelle Good, which was published in 2020, is on that list, as is, um, uh, I just want to make, get, make sure I get the title right, 21 Things You May Not Know About the Indian Act by Bob Joseph, which has been out for years. Um, mm. You know, talking about Indigenous experience, not only learning about it, but also what can we do? Like, how can we make this better? How can we commit as as non-Indigenous folks to, um, you know, to the truth and reconciliation elements that we've been talking about for years? Like, it just feels like there's maybe some momentum behind it that's keeping books like, uh, like the 21 Things You May Not Know or, or Michelle's Goods book, you know, front and center for three years, four years. I mean, that's an important, mm. I think, thing to, to take a look at. Yeah, there's clearly a cultural shift towards wanting to understand the lives of Indigenous peoples and everything that goes on around them. Um, let's take a look uh, at the CBC list. Karen, do you want to go through the list? Sure, I'd be happy to. So the number one book on the list is Ducks by Kate Beaton, which is um, which is a graphic novel and it's been nominated for all kinds of different awards. Second is Greenwood by Michael Christie. This was published in 2019 and was a Scotiabank Giller Prize longlist um, a book and also won a couple of awards as well. Five Little Indians by Michelle Good, we just talked about that, was published in 2020. The Myth of Normal by Gabor Mate and his son, Danielle Mate, which talks about why chronic illness and general health problems are on the rise in Western countries. Women Talking by Miriam Taves, and that was probably driven by the fact that the movie called Women Talking by Sarah Polly came out in late December 2022. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad Cree by Jessica Johns. This is a debut novel by a Canadian author, um, also talking about Indigenous issues. The Sleeping Car Porter by Suzette Mayer is number seven. It won the 2022 Scotiabank Giller Prize. And the Marrow Thieves by Sherry Dimeline. Um, this book's been on a lot of top lists. It was published in 2020, no, 2018, actually. Um, so it's been around for a long time, but it's been optioned, and they're currently working on a TV series for that. Uh, the 21 Things You May Not Know About the Indian Act by Bob Joseph, which we just talked about as well. And the last one on the list, number 10, is Old Babes in the Woods by Margaret Atwood. I hear that title in her um, speech patterns every time I say it. Uh, yeah, so those are the top 10 from uh, the CBC list, which is based on book sales at um, bookshops across the country. And so I think it's a really interesting list, as we just talked about, because you know, clearly there are themes. We've got a few Indigenous authors or or books about Indigenous issues on the list. Right. But, but we've also got one about um, environmental collapse in Greenwood by Michael Christie. We've got um, Ducks by Kate Beaton, which is an autobiographical graphic novel uh, about a young woman and her experiences huh. working in the um, oil sands. Uh, so that's really pretty topical as well. Um, Women Talking, my favorite film by far of 2022. It's a fantastic book. It's a fantastic movie. So Did you read I, the book as well, Karen? I have, I'm one of the people okay. that bought the book. It's sitting on my list. I've read oh, parts of it, it for, for work. Yeah, I've read parts of it for work, but I, I really want to sit down and read it sort of wholly cover to cover. So um, well written. Yeah. Did you like it as a book? I really... I found it to be so deep. I mean, it's yeah. really just a discussion. Anytime there, I pick up a book like this, I I never leave thinking that I didn't learn anything. Like it just captivates you because you're taking part in the conversation, but also it's like every perspective, every which way, every personality and character. And then you get pieces of people that, you know, you formed a, an opinion and then and then you learn something else about this person. You're like, oh, okay, well, that makes more sense now, right? Like, it's just, it just keeps diving deeper and deeper. And I and really I appreciate books. That are one of those books that sits with you. Like, it's one of, Absolutely. you know, some books you pick up and you put down and, you know, a few months later, you're like, I read it, but I don't remember it. Mm. Um, but this one, I think it sits at the core. For folks who don't know, it's about a, a Mennonite colony in, oh, Belize? No. Uh uh, yeah. Help. Do you remember? Anyway, they, um, the the men, they the women catch the men abusing women and and young girls, and they uh, the men leave because some of them have been arrested. So they go to retrieve them, and the women have twenty four hours to decide whether to stay or to go and what to do about the situation. And so it's literally about women talking what to do with their yeah. lives, and it's just. Hmm. 
it's profound in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, also, Manitoba Colony in Bolivia is where Bolivia. it takes place. Right. Thank yes. you. Wait, what do you, you mean a Manitoba Ooh. colony? They, they're based in Manitoba now. Miriam Taves is, was, is, was I don't know, Mennonite. Um, yes. She was raised in Mennonite. Uh, and they, I believe, were on some sort of um, mission. They're connected to the Manitoba oh. colony. Oh, okay. Yeah. I understand. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But quite good. And I, I, I can't not, like, I can't erase uh, Teresa's comment when she watched the movie and she said she just bawled her eyes out now that didn't happen to me because i didn't watch the movie and i feel like you know something like this portrayed in this sense of a movie would be uh just you know you would have an emotional response to it like that um the book i thought was a bit different like the way i responded to the book but yeah still the the book is written from the perspective of the only male in the yes august um, yeah oh i was not expecting that Uh, no. He's uh, basically the minute keeper. Yeah. He's taking minutes. Uh, That's oh. the way that this book is written. He's but taking the minutes movie, of the meetings of the women. Yeah. The the movie is not, his voice is not centered. So exactly. it's, it's a different kind of experience. And yeah, mm. I was with Teresa. My daughter and I were crying through the whole thing. So mm. um, anyway, didn't want to turn this into a women talking thing. But if you haven't yeah. read the book or you haven't seen the movie, highly recommend. Highly. Okay. Um, did we go through so the we, whole book a uh, list of CBC? Uh, well, no, right? we we did just a little bit of a blurb on each of them. What I find interesting about this book, and really even about the seal, or sorry, this list, and really even about the seal list, is that unlike some of the um, the literary lists that you might see in the New York Times or the Globe and Mail or whatever, these books tend to be driven by um, more sort of bestseller lists, more common conversation lists right um, it's like, more populist you know, folks right? telling it's yeah it's exactly um it's also driven by books with big marketing budgets um and it's driven more by i think um some of the literary awards like we've got a couple of award winners on here uh which is interesting to me i know that some booksellers love awards and some don't because they don't always believe that the best books get the most promotion um, sometimes it's, you know, who's got the money or who's got the star power. I, I think it's a really interesting collection of books. You know, The Myth of Normal by Gabor Mate is a nonfiction book. He's an author that writes a lot about really interesting topics, everything from parenting to ADHD to addiction. And in this book, he's talking about chronic illness and general health problems, which is kind of out of left field on a, you know, top mm. 10 book list. Uh, but I think it reflects a really interesting um thing that we're talking about generally like our healthcare systems and how do we stay well in the midst of a pandemic and other things that are going on and you know why are we struggling so much with health uh as a as a culture and as a community and so just i think it's a really interesting insight to see what are the most popular books and who's reading them and and how they tie or do not tie together to other themes i think it's pretty important to note that a lot of these books on these two lists do have big names attached to them um right like margaret atwood and prince harry and john grisham like Mm. i think you can't forget that these books are like they have a lot of star power behind them and that counts like just anecdotally speaking like when we're talking about books on this show and giving recommendations every time there's like a big name attached to it especially if it's a memoir we all go oh that sounds cool that's a fair point and yeah, and just because they're not new, right? Like, the variety here is that uh, some of these books, at least across the board and on the two lists, are uh, debut novels or debut memoirs, you know, first time writing of. And then others are just like, yeah, of course you're going to pick up this book because it's an author you love or a person you're very familiar with the writing already. I'm actually surprised at how many debut novels are on these lists as well, because there's quite a few of them, yeah, which, you know, yeah, they might have a the bigger top 10 lists. Yeah, they might have a bigger marketing budget for some reason or, or not. But I mean, Bad Cree by Jessica John, she's a debut author and um, really kind of came out of nowhere. Um, she had won a prize for the short story version of this book two or three years before this one was published. Um, but 
really like not you know she's a canadian indigenous author there's not a lot of marketing power behind her and Mm, so mm -hmm. but she made the top list like the she was in the top six and her book came out in the summer um so only sort of had half a year to to generate that kind of buzz and you know that there's Sherry Dimeline's books. She was a debut author. Uh, who else's debut? Michelle Good was a debut author. Ducks, yeah. the number one book. Kate Beaton, debut author. This is from the CBC list. So, um, you know, really, there's a fair amount. I don't think Elliot Page had written anything before. I'm not sure right. whether Ali Hassan had. So there's a lot of, from an author perspective, there's a lot of authors that are, exactly. that are new on these two lists. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's quite so, interesting. I'd like to feature the one on Goodreads especially. Oh, okay. Because this one Do seems it. really interesting to me. So um, Goodreads is another one of those lists where it's very uh, vote voter-driven. Like it has over 200,000 voters cast for like just this category alone, the fiction category. This one is Yellow Face by R.F. Klung. Let me read you this synopsis because it actually sounds awesome. Athene Alu is a literary darling and June Hayward is literally nobody. White Lies. When Athena dies in a freak accident, June steals her unpublished manuscript and publishes it at her own under the ambiguous name Juniper Song. But as evidence threatens June's threatened success, she will discover exactly how far she will go to keep what she thinks she deserves. With its totally immersive first-person voice, Yellowface grapples with questions of diversity, racism, and cultural appropriation as well as the terrifying alienation of social media. That is so intriguing. That's what I thought, too. I would pick up this book based on the synopsis. Have, uh, had you guys heard of this before? This is the first time. I've I have, yeah. I briefly heard about it on book to- on BookTube. This is one of those books where it seems to unanimously have really good reviews. This one's definitely on my TBR. Mm. Yeah. It's also mm. a Reese Book Club pick, and Stephen oh, King okay. reviewed it with... Um, he said it was hard to put down, harder to forget. So mm. really, I think, you know, it Whoa. it does have a bit of marketing power behind it for sure. But also it sounds like a really interesting premise for a book. Like I'm intrigued. Same. I'm definitely intrigued. And the thing is, um, I don't know. This is the time of the year when you add everything, right? Like absolutely everything, because now you're reflecting back on the, <laughs> I'm serious. You're reflecting back on the year of like, best books yes, ever and of all 2023. these lists are coming out at the same time you're like oh my god how I did i know. miss this yeah and then even with amongst you know friends family other avid readers you're hearing like yeah this was my top book of 2023 by far and things like that and where you're like okay 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 so as you said to to read list um expands like i think i've added all at least four books just from this conversation onto my list <laughs> Yeah, eventually you have to get rid of some of those books on your to-read list. By reading them, right? No, just by deleting oh. them. Okay, well. Okay. <laughs> um, There's only so much time in the uh, world. Yeah. Karen, do you get caught in these these kind of like, oh, must-read because top books I, of? I do, for sure. So I have to do a lot of reading for, for work, for my job with CLN, for other work that I do. Um, and so I have a growing list of books that I want to read just for me, but don't always get to them. And I dislike having to delete them off my to-do list because most of them are ones that are really intriguing one way or another. So mm. yeah, I definitely get that. And there are books that I read parts of for for Sila that I'm like, oh, I really want to read the whole thing, but I have four more that I have to, you know, get wow. a synopsis Ooh. of. So yeah. We've never talked about this. Yeah, it's Have hard we? To, we haven't. And Teresa has time to read. Like, she has allocated time to read. But she finds the same thing because she reads a lot of books for um, different awards that she's involved in. And so she's got a huge list of books she wants to read, but she's also reading a lot for work. And it's a bit of a, a bit of a bummer to have all these books that you want to read and then all these books that you need to read, some of which are really interesting. But you just you can't get to them all. You just can't. But wait, wait, wait. Yeah. if you're reading for work, does that kind of bring down your love of reading a little bit, seeing as you're doing it as part of your job? Yeah, even if it's all this variety in genres, just uh, the fact yeah. you can't get through these things. Yes and no. Part of it's just like I just feel like I abandon a lot of things, um, which which is challenging for sure. And I also oh. I'm taking classes, so I'm also reading for school. So yeah, I do mm. miss the opportunity to to really delve into a book and and finish it and savor it which i don't always get to do yeah 
All right. Well, Yellow Face by R.F. Quang is actually available on Sila in Human Narration. So shout out. Thank you. Added to the list. Um, Karen, <laughs> appreciate you all always coming on the show. Thank you so much. We'll catch up with you and Teresa next month. My pleasure. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy Cheers. New Year. Karen McKay from the Center for Equitable Library Access. She'll be back with Teresa next month. And after the break, we got another audiobook listener joining us. We've got Rapid Fire Review lined up with her, Julia Bennett, voice of audio on AMI Audiobook Review. Welcome back. It's AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. So we have our first guest of the year, like not regular contributor, but an avid audiobook worm. We think her voice would be familiar to any AMI Audio listener because she's the voice behind AMI Audio Station IDs, the voice of AMI Audio, if you will. It's also Jacob. But most importantly, like I said, massive audiobook worm. Welcome, Julia Bennett. Julia, it's been so long hey. since we've actually talked with you. Hi, you guys. Yes, uh, I'm so glad to be back and talking with the AMI audience and, and you guys as well. And you know, you were one of our first guests. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like you were our first guest on this show. I might be wrong, really? but if you were either the first or the second guest of AMI Audiobook Review at our inception. Yes. Oh, well, wow. I remember it was just getting going it was. when I did come and on. Andy's and like, uh, yeah. Andy Frank, manager Fantastic. of AMI Audio, was like, you should probably get Julia on. You know, she'll kickstart the show for you. And I <laughs> will go talk. back. I will she'll go blah, 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 blah. <laughs> she reads. She reads, even if you guys don't. She'll carry you. the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will go back and I will follow through on this uh, point, but I'm pretty sure you were either a first or second guest on the show. So it's actually wow. lovely to have you back on. So where are we starting? Let's Our start where place. I think we all want to actually start yep. with the rapid fire review. Let's go. Yeah? Oh, yeah. boy. All no right. Okay. I'll give you a reminder of the rules again. <laughs> Julia kindly provided us with five of her most recent notable reads. You have... 15 seconds for each book to give a quick rapid-fire review. After we get through all five books, you get to choose one of them to expand on, rant, rave, whatever you want to say about it. Okay. All right? You nervous? Just kidding. I'm totally nervous. nervous. I, I'm speechless nervous. That's not a good thing. <laughs> People always do better than they think they will. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Rams, what's right. the first title? All right. We have Trust by Hernan Diaz. Okay, so this is a Pulitzer Prize winner. I loved it because it had the same story through four different perspectives. I enjoyed the characters. I would totally recommend it to anybody who wants to be involved in a puzzle, figuring out. Oh, Ooh. Okay. oh that sounds good. Oh, that was a, yes. I love those different yeah. perspective books. That's oh, you know, I was halfway through that book before I figured out what it was about. No like, way. even began to figure out what it's like. Yeah. Oh so, gosh, that you have to be a, de- a little dedicated. Yeah, then, but. <laughs> that's one of those. Uh, rah- How do you say that? Um, Rubik's cubes. Rah- <laughs> oh my god, the words escaping me. <laughs> that too. That's, that's one of those yeah. books where you're fur- furrowing your brow the whole time. Well, right. I, I, I mean, um, I was, but it was a fun kind of question mark over my head more than a furrowed brow. I would say, mm. you know. Okay. And it got it got better. It got way better at, at at the end. Big payoff. All right. Next book is Rusk by Edward Rutherford. Okay. So another historical fiction kind of thing, and it covers eighteen hundred years of Russian history oh. Um, oh. through the the residents of this one little village called Ruska. A big time span, all sorts <laughs> <laughs> historical stuff. <laughs> Wait, is this historical <laughs> fiction or a, a history book? Well, it's it's a I mean it's history. It's not it, it's a novel. It's a novel. Oh, so but it non-fiction. is covers it's not nonfiction. Sorry. Yeah. Mm. And it is definitely there's drama, right? But it is a mythical town. It's not a real town, Friska. Okay. Uh, and it's it's sort of you get to g- interact with some real figures, like, you know, you hear about uh Ivan the Terrible, but you you know. Um, and he's actually, yeah, he's in the story, but not for long. Because if you can imagine 1,800 years, you got to pack in a lot of characters. Wow. 
Okay, but this was, this was a cheat, by the way. We gave you 15 seconds, and then you went on for another 45. I'm keep going. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's just, I'm, I'm a kidding. real breaker at heart. Yeah. No, no. We're very sorry. lenient referees. Yeah, here. yeah, we are. We are. Oh, thank That's God. That's because we were genuinely intrigued. How many years of Russian history did you say? 1800. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's Edward. It's Edward Rutherford's thing, right? right. To, hmm. to do. Anyway. Okay. Next one. Familiar title. Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. Oh, fantastic book. Totally an education about a, about apartheid, but way more. And one man's sort of navigation of that. Touching, shocking, definitely entertaining. I would definitely recommend to everybody. Nice. Ooh, nice. perfect wow. timing, that was nice. yes. dude. That yeah. was smooth. But it is amazing how long 15 seconds is. <laughs> <laughs> God, I got to talk like more. Everybody's got knows what this book is about. I don't know what else to tell you about. It. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think yeah, we've all no, read that book. Yeah, around at this least table. around the table. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, really, really I, I sort of suspected it. Yeah, because yeah. it's Too it good. was a huge hit. Yeah, for sure. All right, The Country of the Blind by Andrew Leland. Probably also familiar to you guys. This is the navigation of uh, the, the the landscape of the blind community in a very literate kind of way. It, what it means to be blind. I like being able to grapple with some of the intellectual questions that he was bringing up mm. and to come to my own conclusions. Oh. I had no idea about this book. Yeah, oh, I've really? never heard of it either. Mm-mm. Really? Yes. Oh, well, it was kind of a big thing over the last year or so, maybe six months to eight months. We're living um, in the rock. This is Neil Simon's grandson, Andrew Leland. Interesting. Uh, you know, like like uh, the the playwright and yeah, um, Neil Simon. So he's he's yeah. Anyway, I don't want to. I'm very go curious. Break the now. rules anymore? Okay. No, 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 you're good. <laughs> we got to expand anyways. At so one point, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we could do that. Sure. So rebellious. Okay, here. This is the last one, your fifth choice for rapid fire review, and it is three cheers for me, Donald Jack. Okay, so this book is actually an old friend that I picked up again, and it, it won the Stephen Leacock Award for Humor in the '60s. Uh, very funny, very silly about a World War One Canadian uh, pilot and soldier. Very farcical, very silly. <laughs> Repetition. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sorry, wasn't allowed for to emphasis, do that. For emphasis, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. No, it's a, it's not exactly politically correct silliness, but it's still oh. funny. Yeah. Right. How does it hold up? Uh, it's from yeah. the sixties, right? How does it hold up? Because you picked it up again. So. Well, I mean, you may have detected there's a bit of a theme in some of my reading, which is about history, mm. right? And 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 this is, you know, a historical document right so in, in a way um it's talking about personalities and such but it's it's kind of this this bumbling guy who who somehow makes it to the top of the ranks in, in the, the the army and then and then in the as a pilot and becomes this hugely famous pilot it holds up really well you do have to overlook a couple of things that you know Maybe we would not want to see in a in a book now. Maybe, uh, but it is a an, a historic. It's it's from its time, right? Mm. And I, but it's so funny, like so. Um, yeah, that's. Do you? I, I, uh, I say give it a go. Yeah, and I'm curious if you go looking for these kinds of books. Like, obviously, you picked you know your top five for this purpose. Um, but do you go mm. looking for these kinds of books in general that historical fiction, but also comedy seems to be a running theme in these choices? Yeah, it is kind of interesting because I I don't think I go looking for books, really. Like, I I do have a an Audible subscription, right? right? And so things come up based on what I read. And sometimes I go, yeah, okay. And then some people will send me books that they think I might like. Um, and then again, you know, recommendations from family and friends. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I tend to just take what kind of comes to me and read it. Yeah. But and, then these are the kinds uh, of ones that hmm. stick with you. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of the, like, I do tend to read some fairly serious stuff, but I do like the the comedy as well as a as a kind of foil to that, and in particular, I seem to read biographies or memoirs of comedians. So 
not just Trevor Noah, but there's a really great book uh, by Mike Myers called O Canada, oh, which is oh, a cool. very yeah. funny read about his life growing up in Canada and about his sort of feelings about Canada. And yeah, there, another I read another one of them by Steve Patterson, who is, you know, the CBC debaters host, mm. um, if you've ever listened to that show. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, and very funny, a very funny book. So I, yeah, it's I don't know. I think I go through phases of what is it that I need now to mm. read. What do I feel like, and that that's how I've ended up with this kind of eclectic list, I guess. And of this list of five books, um, would you like mm. to expand on one of them? Well, I was going to talk about born a, born a crime, but I think you guys know all about it already, mm. and maybe because you don't know about the country of the blind. Maybe I should talk about that one. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, so it's not like I go out looking for things to read about blindness necessarily. Uh, this one was recommended to me just because he also has RP uh, like I do. And his experience, you know, was familiar to me. But also just because of his, like, he's a very good writer. That's his thing. Uh, he does he writes for podcasts and radio and things like that. And he's able to take an issue, kind of break it down and look at it from all kinds of perspectives. So for instance, he talks about the difference between the national federation of the blind down South and the other one, which I can't remember the name of, but there's sort of two historically, these two sort of big organizations and their history and the way that they each look at blindness and how the issues around blindness should be handled in society and through legislation, et cetera. But he also gets into the nitty gritty about, um, you know, how he's dealing with it in his personal life, right? Like carrying his his baby in a sling on, on, on the front of his, you know, like his front sling, right. um, you know, in the subway oh. with his cane Mm-mm. and how people are re- sort of reacting to that, you oh. know, like all kinds of these little situations that we often find ourselves in, not only like the, the sort of practical part of trying to get through and solve those problems, but also the question of how you're being perceived mm-hmm. and, I think a lot of us maybe grapple with that. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. You know, it's it's something that's come up for me often. Like, at less so now. I have a guide dog now, so it's like there's no question, right? right? Like, I'm blind now, right? Mm-hmm. But for him, he's going through this very gradual vision loss, and it's, you know, am I blind yet? You know, or uh, like if I sit on the subway and I read a book. Uh, you know, uh-huh. am I blind? Right. So there's all of that in there as well. And I, you know, you get to hear about his process of as an adult learning Braille. Like he really went, he dove in, uh-huh. you know, to what do I need to do to fully, you know, prepare myself. And that's, it's a fascinating read. And do you know if this book was like commercially successful amongst like people who weren't already in the blind community? Because my issue with books, like, well, it's not an issue, is an observation I've made with books like this is that it obviously resonates with people within the community, but has it yeah. expanded outside of that? Mm-hmm. Do you know? Yeah, I think because he already had a fairly high profile, um, you know, position um, before kind of coming out you know quote unquote as as blind um he has had a lot uh you know a lot of attention i mean he's he was a contributor to the new yorker like he he's sort of on that level of public discourse let's say For people who aren't familiar with him what did he do before this book um i should have gotten his bio out and refreshed but he does he's a writer and he is a he has worked as a producer in uh, okay, radio okay, okay. and podcasting and things like that. So he, you know, he's and, and and just because by virtue of being Neil Simon's grandson, you know, he kind of moves in those circles, right? Um, that you might call, you know, the the elite of New York, let's say, and that 
of course, has an influence everywhere. Yeah. And so he even deals with that a little bit in his book in terms of, let's say, privilege and how it relates to the experience of becoming blind and or living with blindness and talks about how it might be different if he did, wasn't comfortably financially and mm. you know how how poverty affects or or is a sort of a can be much larger, too much of a part of the blind experience and, and same thing with unemployment. Well, it's highly influential, so, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting because you you have to caveat that, right? Like being where mm-hmm. he is and having what he has, yeah. he's got to be super transparent about that because, of course, that's the first question on our tongues, right? Like, you yeah. know, how severed the community can feel in all of these different ways. Uh, but, yeah, this is just a a quick snippet off the web and he says he's a writer audio producer editor and a teacher living in western massachusetts massachusetts yes Um, so i think what was interesting to me when you were describing the book is the way he presents the question because you know being a person with low vision myself there's that um striking a balance of feeling you know Two sighted to be blind and two blind to be sighted, uh-huh. right? Like that. Uh-huh. And but for him, he was going fully embracing the journey of going blind and uh-huh. eventually going to be blind, and therefore, you know, just as you said, deep dive right in, right? Learning yeah. braille. And it, he has an analytical, yes. you know, bent to him, obviously as a writer. Yeah. And so he's going through this experience, and you know, what else can he do but? take it as an opportunity, exactly. I guess, really to document. Yeah. And that's like the so title self-aware. Yeah, totally. And, and, and I love the, the title because it, it actually references a short story by HG Wells called mm-hmm. the country of the blind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is about, um, you know, a, an explorer or something going through the, I don't know, Himalayas or somewhere. And he, he kind of gets separated from his party and ends up stumbling into um, this little valley where everyone's blind mm. and the, the the villages all have been blind for generations. They don't actually understand what it means to be sighted. And so it, it's kind of, it, it, I, I love the title and how, because I've often felt like it is a different country in a way. And, and for a while, maybe you're a part-time resident of that country right. or you're kind of a visiting resident. Um, but I don't know if I'm, I'm not sure who, who feels like they're full-time blind. You know, I don't right. know. Yeah. What does it feel like to be blind? These are all questions that I kind of like to think about sometimes, but not too long. But what a way to go <laughs> into that process of acceptance, right? Like compared to mm-hmm. the the resistance and the rigidity around keeping your old identity like he's really went into embracing i guess embracing going into it right and writing this book it sounds like it was clearly a huge part of that process yeah you said that he was involved in producing in 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 radio and podcasting did he read his own book by any chance that's a really good question because i did see an interview by him and he talked about how he had just sort of finally given up print, mm. like on paper. Mm-hmm. And oh, um, right. he was being interviewed by a, um, I guess, a, a podcaster um, or vlogger or something on his book. But the questions were often about the interacting with the printed word, right? And what does it, that's another question in the book. What does it mean to be literate, right? Like, do you need to really learn Braille to be literate? You, you know, because if you mm-hmm. if you're only taking things in through your eyes, then are you you know do, should kids who are blind must they learn Braille to be literate? Or you know, because it'd be hard to say that like James Joyce or Milton or something who were blind later in life weren't literate. You know, they right. they were obviously fantastic authors and very literate they no longer interacted with the printed page, right? So I think Andrew Leland was in the middle of that process of, uh, I think he can still 
read the printed page, but it's so much work that he just kind of said, that's it, I'm done. It's not worth it. Mm, It's just not worth it. It's so much work. Well, when you're taking in information, though, like we know the kind of spectrum of opinions around this, right, where Braille literacy is important for understanding grammar, understanding the depths of the language. You're not necessarily getting that, but just audio feedback or so. Yeah. Or you're not getting the parallel experience of reading print, I guess. Exactly. And I, you know, as somebody who does not, has not tried to learn Braille, like I can so totally see how important that would be. Um, And I have worked with people who were, you know, blind since birth and who use a screen reader totally, but their written documents are perfect. Right. Interesting. You know what I mean? Like immaculate. So, you know, it's possible. Perfect in terms of writing or in formatting or both? Well, both. Both. Wow, mm-hmm. that's yeah. genuinely impressive. Take that in exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it does. It's huh. like a lot of work. But then I suppose you know, learning to read is also a lot, of, a work. lot of work. We're just anyway. yeah. You know, we're just not aware of it as much when we get older. You know, mm. how much work it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Julia, it's, anyway. it's such like this conversation was so interesting to me, and this book, which Jacob and I had no idea about, um, is definitely now on our radar, I think, for a read, because I'm very curious about this person's journey and how they portrayed it in the book. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Yeah, we're really excited, and we hope you'll come back, well, maybe in a year's time or so. But keep us posted on what you're reading. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. All right. Sounds great. We were speaking to Julia Bennett, voice of AMI-audio through her AMI-audio IDs. What? It was in the script. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, if you listen to AMI audio a lot, you've heard her you've voice heard her. a lot. You got it. And it sure is buttery smooth. Yes. And but you know who else has a buttery smooth oh, voice? God, so Our excited. guest next week, which we've been so excited, uh, been keeping this under wraps for a little bit. Mm-hmm. We are interviewing Julia Wellen, author of My Oxford Year. And thank you for listening. Actually, authorator. She also yes. narrated her own books. She's also a narrator for hundreds, hundreds of other no- audiobooks. Seriously? Literally. Wow. Um, amongst Including them, my favorite, obviously, The Invisible Life of Adi LaRue. Yeah, The Invisible thank Life of Adi Thanks LaRue. Thanks for shouting that out. Uh, educated by Tara Westover. I absolutely loved that one. Mm. Um, but yeah, we want to, um, if you have any questions for her, uh, please email us at, what's our email address? Feedback at ami.ca. You can email us. You can also leave us a voicemail. We love hearing people's voices. Come on, send us voicemails. one 509 4545 Yeah, just call us. Leave us your listener question for Julia Whalen. We would love to feature it. Our book club is sending us questions. We've already got a bunch. As we speak. Exactly. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we're all very excited. That's it. That's it. That's it for us today. We'll be back next week. Of course, weekly episodes of AMI Audiobook Review on your favorite podcast platform. I'm your host, Ramia Amuthan, with co-host and producer Jacob Shangansky, technical producer Nusreen Abdelmajid. And until next time, happy audiobook listening. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.